Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. He's back from assignment. We throw it to Pat Clark. Well, Patrick, ice is cold. Back to you. <laughs> How was Minnesota? <laughs> uh, point number one. <laughs> the accent is very much a caricature that everyone is in on. Because my goodness, does it come out in, in certain people. Um. So for those of you unaware, I went with seven of my teammates local to North Carolina. We went and played in the U.S. Pond Hockey Championship, a self-proclaimed championship tournament uh, put on in Minneapolis uh, each January. I played in a division with 143 other teams trying to compete to get our name on a trophy of a silver shovel. That's right, not a, not a uh, object that you can drink out of, but something that you had to use in between matches. Uh, well, you could shovel jello shots in your mouth. <laughs> the problem is it's no longer jello once it touches the shovel. Oh, yeah, well, you're going to get all physicky. <laughs> Well, Mother Nature decided to get all physicky on us, and uh, ooh, it was quite the ride. Bit chilly, eh? Well, no, the chilly wasn't the bad part, but there was uh, rain and snow leading up to the event, which makes it difficult to keep the top of the ice clean and so somewhat level. So you're playing on a curling sheet. All the pebblies. Um, we were we we're basically playing in a parking lot. Oh, even better. With mm. uneven gravel and. Um, Did you bring your own skate sharpeners for that? <laughs> oh no! So, some guys joked about bringing theirs up because there are now like these things called the Sparks Machine, which is your. Um, Easy bake oven of skate sharpeners. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it does an adequate job. I looked into it once, not for me, but hey. I immediately got my. I had an appointment the next day to get my my skate sharpened. So when I go and skate on soft, smooth ice this evening, I I don't look like a complete moron because well, mm-hmm. there's only so much you know, science can do for me. You want to put a qualifier on the rest of that? No, I'm just going to leave it open-ended. It's like, so what? You're going to look like a a partial moron? (laughs) At times. Oh, well, okay, there you go then. And if I don't, hey, it's a moral victory. Mm. So, yeah, no, uh, we were yeah. we, just to follow up on the gravel lot. Like, um, every, so 
we played against four other teams from Minnesota, and everyone said, this is the worst ice they've ever had. And lo and behold, we're talking to guys that played in this tournament like 13 consecutive years. So we held our own. We got one victory. Hey. We got better as the tournament went on. They don't all ask how. They, all, they only ask how many. Um, was it three on? It was three on three, wasn't it? It was four on four. It was four on four and and um, shooter tutors or actual real life goaltending people. No, no real goaltenders. It was uh, literally a small box. Ah, gotcha. Uh, Six feet wide by eight to 12 inches tall. And then two small openings. Yeah, there's about, I want to say, 24 square inches of space on both ends of the net. Sort of like where the goalie's, uh, you know, leg pads might be when he's hugging the post. Uh, they had to try and, and score into. Okay. So were there volunteers at every single one of these like pond areas to keep track of the score, or did you guys have to keep track of that yourselves, or how did that work out? Yeah, so there was one volunteer scorekeeper slash referee who, like the NHL, in the third period, doesn't call anything. Um, <laughs> Which was actually quite lovely uh, because we would have gotten too many delay a game penalties for guys standing still in front of the net. Oh, that's but yeah, one person would yell out the score and uh, yell out time calls. Okay. Hey, here's five minutes left in this half because we played two 15 minute halves. Um, we get a five, a, a two and a one minute countdown. Running and time? you could hear them. Oh yes. Running time. Okay. Uh, you could hear um, exactly one out of five times they said anything. <laughs> Except for when they were yelling at our captain to start skating and move out of the crease. You're goaltending. Mm-hmm. 42. Got to move. 42. <laughs> got to skate. Reminds me of basketball. Uh, <laughs> illegal defense. Uh, no huh? goaltending. Now, did that hurt the other team's chances? Absolutely not. All right. Yeah, so it was a fun experience. Hope to do it again next year. Did you do any activities outside of that event? Oh, I sure did. You know, we had to taste all the local cuisine, and then I did some scouting for the uh, 2022 NHL draft, or 2023 NHL draft. Did you partake Mm. of a Juicy Lucy? Multiple times, yes. Okay, okay. Okay. Now, about your scouting trip, please elaborate. Uh, So, Saturday night, I attended the second game of a... University of Michigan versus University of Minnesota men's hockey game. Um, Both games happened to go to OT. Each team picked up one win. And my first NCAA game, uh, it was quite enjoyable. There were, I think, 
on the team's rosters, I don't know how many of them were dressed for the the particular game I watched, but 26 players already drafted and several slated to be come June. So a lot of talent, a lot of speed, um, a lot of fun because there were, compared to an NHL game, few to no whistles. It was awesome. Was there anything else about this particular game that stood out to you, sir? Huh. Less perhaps. Oh, oh. something, something else unique to the college experience. Well, for one, there was a pep band in the arena. Dear Kane's management, if there's not a pep band at your quote unquote stadium series game, and then subsequently, you don't find a way to add a pep band for your what is 99% chance of a playoff run. Uh, you're making a mistake. It's nice Two, to be appreciated. <laughs> Having played it was just so band. nice. There was, no, <laughs> there was no DJ. There was someone playing music, say, during the few TV timeouts because this was a Big Ten Network game. Mm-hmm. But in between plays, it was just all instrumental, and it was lovely. There was little to no pomp and circumstances in between plays. You're not inundated by a bunch of ads and just look up at the big board and, and, and you know, take my attention away moments. How many times did they play tequila? Not once, actually. There we go. What? <laughs> that ain't right. That's perfectly right. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. So other than the pep band, sir, I think Miss Cassie touched on it. I think she did. Uh, there, w- The only white in the jerseys that you could see uh, happened to be maybe the on the referees. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I had to do it. Oh. <laughs> well, they were wearing full face masks, so I couldn't. No, yes, you were. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, it was a, uh, blue on yellow. I, I, I am quickly hastily looking up. Wait a minute. Does Minnesota happen to have a wild, um, name for the colors of their uniforms? I'm not finding it. So yellow on blue matchup. And it was uh, it was nice on the eyes. It really was. No white jerseys. No white jerseys. Um, I mean, there was no like Minnesota had some white accents, but honestly, the referees had the most white in their uniforms compared to the uh, teams playing. It's wonderful. So we could, in theory, should, um, like for the instance, well, for a Canes and Predators matchup, the Canes could go with their red and the Preds could go with their yellows. Mm-hmm. 
and I will I will not do the Habs and the Rangers going blue and red because there are blue and red color blind people and that'll just be beyond all hope for those poor people. Um, but perhaps you could do the Rangers home blue against the Canadians reverse retro blue where yeah, there's blue. enough difference in tones where you can tell the difference depending upon said color blindness. Well, blue and red aren't actually a colorblindness issue for the most part. It's blue, it's red and green. So they could do blue and red if they wanted to, and it wouldn't affect most, like, overwhelmingly number. I I know you're trying to get out of blue and red, but I'm just saying. No, I'm I'm trying to remember because I I think there's, I I can't remember how many colorblindness there's a, there's a, the I red and green is the most common. Yeah. There's one where they can't distinguish between purple and blue. It's all kind of a muddy color. Um, and then there's one more and it involves orange and I don't remember what it is. Cause I had to learn this for color theory for making maps so that I'm not making maps that colorblind people can't read. Ahas. I only remember because there was options in some video games for people that um, have those various issues of colorblindness. They change the UI colors around for them. Um, and they didn't do anything particular with the ice. They still left it white. Yeah. Oh, well. <clears throat> Not everyone can be Kalamazoo. This is true. I'm not going to continue with the rhyming pattern at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> how bad do you think the 200 hockey men would take it if Connor McDavid attempted a Michigan? How many of them live in Edmonton? The reason I'm saying this is I had, as as is my what? perversion um, <laughs> of watching, of constantly watching Oilers games simply for the, oh my God, what's he going to, you know, what are they, what are he and Drysaddle going to do this time factor of them? Um, a couple of the games recently, I've noticed he's sort of Gretzkying himself. And... I just sit there and go, boy, howdy, if anybody's got that that just terrifying, explosive first step speed to be able to get out in front of the net with the Michigan and not have, you know, defense react quickly enough, it's him. But then I also mm-hmm. thought, dear God in heaven, he's not the flash boy. He is, he is, you know, mayonnaise part two, effectively. But he never attempted it in junior and got scolded, therefore was programmed never to do it again. But is it in his current programming to do it at all, ever? That's what, you know, is there a firmware update needed? I think there is, and here's why. Technically, shouldn't the Michigan be when someone stops behind the goal line to make the move? 
I mean, it, it, yeah, you don't have to be behind the goal line. You can, you could be straddling it. You can be because it's it's popping it off the back of the goalie, right? Well, well the reason well, I mention that is if McDavid does it, he's going to be doing it while in motion. No, I he's he's Gretzky himself a couple times behind the net. Okay. So you know there there have been there have been a few plays that I have noticed that he's, you know, as as they're trying to change up some aspects of his game so that he doesn't become a, a, as funny as this sounds too predictable. <laughs> I know, right? I, know, I can't believe I said that with a straight. But you know he's always adding little bits and pieces here, right? And I have noticed that he's sort of Gretzkyed a few times. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't come to you know he doesn't park back there but he does sort of stop and assess before he moves again and it's not you know and I'm sitting there going I watched that and I was like dear god in heaven would would the Edmonton journal or Edmonton Sun or Edmonton province or Edmonton Times old hockey writers go completely diaper filling if he attempted in Michigan and how how do you think the U.S. media, especially, and I'm looking at you, TNT, would react? See, it would depend on the outcome. If he attempted the Michigan and was successful at it, everybody in Edmonton's like media sphere would just be glowing about it. Oh my God, he did this thing and he made it work and it was great. You know, full speed, Connor McDavid, what can't he do? You know, kind of thing. There will be some like stick in the muds. He'll be like, that doesn't need to be in our game. We need to like, that needs to be out. But I mean, by and large, I think if he is successful at it, because you know, what's, what's the, what's the way to get out of being scapegoated for something? You have to be successful at it. <laughs> you know, if he happens to do it, it results in a turnover, which is a breakaway down at the other end of the ice. Then, oh my God, it would be the worst horrible, awful thing that he's ever done in his life. So... So what you're saying is he needs to do it in overtime of a playoff game and score. Um, yeah, and then and then everybody would be like, oh, my God, best thing since sliced bread. I disagree, Cassie. I think they'd use the whole it's too high risk and he may be the best player in the world, but this is a critical time and he's out there trying to showboat, you know, hockey men. Yeah. 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 Showboating. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because only hockey men can argue with the results that, you know, it was, work. he did it. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, cause it was too, you know, it's such a high risk play, you know, he could have been this, it could have been that. What if, yeah, what if, what if. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. this is this is a bunch of people who, like, think risk is the worst horrible thing in the possible world. <laughs> oh, the, the slippery slopeisms and the what if-isms are, are you know, that's their Play that's it the safe, butter. don't go out of your comfort zone. How dare you? And then if you do, then, oh, my God, then you're, like, showboating or something. Oh. But conversely... I think even if he attempted it, you know, I think TNT would just absolutely go bananas for it. Oh, yeah. And it'd be highlighted and, you know, constantly talked about because here is, with all due respect to, you know, other players, here is the best player in the game today. And he, 
he doesn't show that skill, right? Zegris has done it, what, like the dish again, the Michigan, you know, and everyone's like, you know, oh, my God, you know, this guy's got silky mitts and everything, and you're going, yeah, but just because of that? No, look at McDavid. Yeah, you know, it's because it... So here's the thing that, like, the hockey men have yet to grasp, and maybe they have, and they've rejected it. I don't know. But is that risky plays are fun plays, right? Oh, where yeah. where you take a bit of a risk where it's it's one of those high percentage, high risk things where, where you know, 90% of the time it, it works, but that 10% you're going to get, like, bitten on the ass for it and and those are fun because there's like an element of failure not just regular failure but catastrophic failure and and if they want people to enjoy the games like they keep saying they do then they would be embracing that stuff instead of oh no 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 we have to play it safe we have to be we have to do high risk or high reward, low risk stuff at all times, right? Um, and and yeah, they don't get it. They don't get that. They don't get that hockey is entertainment, and that the entertainment value is when it's high risk. And we need look no further than the recently completed World Junior Men's U20 World Junior Championships. For the outrage and panels and thought pieces and think pieces on the two Michigans that were attempted in Canada's first game, well, they, they led directly to the loss. No, failing to score more than the opponent led directly to the loss. And it's as if trying to do the same thing over and over again unsuccessfully isn't going to work. Why wouldn't you go to something a bit different? Just like, just like with with many other things, the element of surprise can be very effective if used correctly. Which is or, why, which is sort of the genesis of the whole thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, can we not just look to pulling the goalie earlier and earlier, not and seeing the not the amount of times, but the percentage of time it is more successful. Nine minutes might be a bit much, but what do you have to lose? It depends on how many you're down by. Yeah. You know? If you're or if you're playing the San Jose Sharks, because you might just want to do it from the opening face <laughs> That's where Pittsburgh went wrong yesterday. Okay. <laughs> oh, poor Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's not often I get to say that out loud and actually mean it. Um, and and speaking of San Jose, boy, did did someone put a whole big, huge, heaping pile of spoonful or, or of sugar on their medicine-y, yucky-tasting contract by openly telling everyone what he was looking for? God, I don't. I still don't think Timo Meyer is worth nine million. That's me. I think he's an unbelievable player. I don't think he's a $9 million player. But publicly now outing what it is that you're looking for in a contract, that that to me was just the please trade me. Mm-hmm. 
I was wondering why his name was coming up so often this past week. Yeah. I wasn't like on Twitter as much as I could have been, I guess. But um, but yeah, it's like a, half the time I was on, somebody was talking about, oh, well, where will Timo Meyer be treated? And I'm like, wait a second, why this all of a sudden? So thanks yeah. for explaining that. Yeah, because um, teams were given uh, permission to talk to his agent so that they could discover what it is that he was looking for in a contract. Because obviously the qualifying offer was a complete non-starter for the vast majority of teams other than the one he was playing on. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he's made it much of a help. But as was a weird discussion recently, the difference between 9 and 10 numerically is not that much. But psychologically is massive. Right? Pay nine ninety nine for something, that's one thing. Pay ten dollars for something, you're like, you know, I'm not sure. Ten bucks seems kinda high. But nine ninety nine, you know, there's something weird about that extra digit. It's also rounding up to an even number. Yeah. People like even numbers for some reason. Except I think for when they wear, except <laughs> for when they wear odd numbers in the NHL, and you gotta get those weird digits in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to get them in their contracts too, right? Some yeah. somewhere in their salary, there has to be their, you know, their player number. Um, mm-hmm. Nine mil is still a hefty, you know. The the athletic, and as much as I adore them, there's. There's flaws in everything. As much as I adore them, Shayna and Dom's player cards, where they had him, um, uh, basically he's underpaid by four and a, four and a half million dollars. And I went, well, technically no, he's not. That just happens to be his AAV. He's, you know, he's barely performing to your valuation of his contract because they had him at ten, ten point four eight million. Okay, great. If that's where he was, you know, that's where he was at level-wise three years ago, then, yeah, it's a steal. But as it is now, eh. And, oh, by the way, if you go look at that draft class and you and you have to Olympic judge that draft class, right? You got to <laughs> throw out McDavid and Eichel because they're going to they're gonna skew the results for everyone. He's barely top five in forwards. Out of that, out of that, the first two rounds of that draft class. I mean, this isn't meant to be a bash on Timo Meyer. It's a, I love him. I think he's great. Eight five is as high as I'd go for him, and that's a push. So, do you think that in the event that he's actually traded? which I can't imagine that'd still happen. Do you think they're going to money launder his contract through a team that um, has cap space? They don't need to. Yes. Well, they, don't, <laughs> they don't need to, but they will. Well, they, it'd have to be a sign-in trade then because he's an RFA this year. So there's, you know, that's been the whole poison pen thing, right? If you take him on as a rental, they're going to want a metric ton for him. And you're not going to want to pay it because he's a rental. If you take him on as a long term, you have to be willing to sit down at the end of the season, qualify him, and then negotiate, you know, a term deal somewhere around nine million for him. 
and still give up a metric ton. Because the Sharks aren't going to back off because that is one of the most prized assets they have because he's still young. He is a very high quality player. Um, he could, you know, he could unbelievably help a team. You know, everyone's talking New Jersey and they are hundred percent correct. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Santos is not going to give him up for free. You know, Logan Couture could probably fetch some stuff, but you've got an older guy on a, What's their cap space, though? I mean, if they're looking to free up some cap space, they may not be taking much back. Sharks don't want players back. What, picks? Oh, God, yeah. They want picks. and I mean, the players they would want back are going to be, you know, grade-A-type prospects, guys that are two, three years away from making an impact in the NHL. No, they're... I think Mike Greer's doing a fantastic job of... Uh, of trying to straighten out things, but yeah. Always I mean, takes they're, time. Yeah, they're 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 whacked to the cap right now in San Jose, so they'd have, you know, they're not going to want to take anything back that is, um, that isn't going to help them three years from now. And they've already, you know, they've got two buyouts and they retained a fair amount on Burns's contract and that goes until mm-hmm. 25 I think yes two more seasons after this and that still doesn't you know that you're still not dealing with the elephant in the room which is Mark Edward Vlasic at 7 million for the next four years you know that's carrying him until he's nearly 40 and he's been playing like he is already 40. <laughs> no, they they want to dump and clear this cruft. <clears throat> so, you know, they're going to want assets. They're going to want high, very, very high picks and grade A prospects. So what you're saying is they should be talking to Vancouver because Timo Meyer is in that sweet spot age range of what the team says they want, right? Right? Sure. I, uh... Vancouver, yeah. Vancouver. The name sounds strangely familiar. Are they the team that um, doesn't want draft picks but wants um, established prospects because they're pretty much admitting the, to the fact that they can't develop draft picks? I, I do would, believe you're right. I would, I'd, I'd, I'd almost say they can't make draft picks, Cassie. <laughs> no, develop. You, you you can't develop what's not there. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, That's they can't develop saying. the prospects that they draft. That's well, they can't find prospects that are developable. That's what I'm saying, Cassie. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. kind of one of the worst drafting teams, honestly. Especially after Ooh. the first round. <laughs> yeah. See, Pat. <laughs> See what I'm saying? 
So you're saying that they have shortcomings? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Okay. So since 20, let's just say 2015, since we were talking about that draft earlier, they have only had one player mm-hmm. outside of the just confirming outside of the first round play more than 200 games in the NHL period. Mm-hmm. Is that bad? A little bit. Just, <laughs> a, just, little bit. a little bit. And you'll be shocked to hear said player no longer plays for this franchise. Hmm. Which has and been Adam Gaudet. Which has been their other problem. Those they get, they punt. Oh, you mean like Jake Vertanen? That needed oh. to be punted. <laughs> yes. That... Oh, you mean like Jared McCann? Hey, looky there. There's one. Oh, you mean like Thatcher Demko? Because that's probably happening in the next five weeks. Yep. Gustav Forsling. Well, oh. he's on the top pairing in Florida, and he's actually a good NHLer. Yep. But oh boy. No one from their 2020 draft class, which uh, they're borderline okay, NHL ready right now in 2020. They're border, and their highest pick was a third rounder, 82nd overall. So, so he's three years away from not being eligible. Got yeah. Basically, every for every round you go down, you add a year to the base no. too. So. They hit on Quinn Hughes. They hit on Elias Pettersson. Yeah, those were kind of gimmies, right? You Only were... you, Levy, they completely botched, botched his everything. Brock Besser, good NHL player. The aforementioned for Tannen, which good riddance. Bo Horvat. Not likely to be around much longer. Yeah, the soon to be leaving Bo Horvath. <laughs> and oh, back in those years when they were good around the 2010s, 2010 draft, one game played between five picks. Yep. 2011, a little over 100 between four players. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, this is, uh, they are. They are borderline San Joseing it when it comes to their drafts. You know, um, I'm sitting here looking at the new New Jersey Devils and trying to figure out how in the world they would a make a deal because they don't even have any space. So re- retaining. I mean, they've got two million. So, depending on his AA on Myers AAV, isn't going to help them because you can only retain half, and there's still a million over at that point. And then, what do they do if they want to sign him? Well, I guess bye bye Thomas Tatar, who makes four and a half. And probably Jesper Bratt. Boy, would you hate to get rid of Jesper Bratt, right? 
Mm-hmm. You got Palat four or five. You got Heeshuler and Hughes signed on absolute sweetheart deals, so you better make hay now. But what do you give San Jose? You got to clear money somehow. So, you know, not sure what San Jose is going to take unless it's these expiring deals like Hala and Tatar, but what's the point of getting Meyer if you're giving up the depth that you absolutely adore with Hala and Tatar? I mean, you're you're talking about tweener prospects like Nolan Foot and a first and Like if if basically every team in a position where they're not sure who to give up to make a deal to make space, just talk to Vancouver. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm serious. Miles. So you mentioned Thomas Tatar, 32. Okay, that's a little too old. Miles Woods only 27 at 3.2. Right in right in that BC wheelhouse. <sighs> yeah, that's the other thing is that um, preferences to BC boys. They're kind of like, you know, Toronto that way with their Ontario boys. Oh, and you know what's going to make matters worse? San Jose currently sits at 50 contracts, so they can't take yeah. on additional. It'd have to be mm-hmm. one in, one out. Well, not necessarily if they start dumping salary in other places. It, it could be multiple trades, just not with the same team. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is, is there, there's, there's moving, there's prerequisites to this deal happening, right? Right. You know, San Jose's got to move some stuff out. New Jersey's got to move some stuff out. And then they have to figure out with what they've moved out, you know, what's untouchable, what are they willing to give up? You know, I think, yeah, you know, I know they aren't giving up damage. Huh, assessing no. your roster to decide what kind of team you want. Yeah. That doesn't sound very NHL to me. I think New Jersey's a pretty smart team, honestly. Oh, I meant San Jose. <laughs> I think San Jose is going to be a smart team. <laughs> I, I The smart people are there, but... There's a lot my of God, the, pre- the previous homeowners just left a mess. Oh, unbelievably so. You know, this is this is not um, this is not going to be a a house flip scenario. You're you're calling in the property brothers, and there's going to be some serious inside demo. And so it's not just a tear down and rebuild. Well, you know what? <laughs> it might have to be honestly, Cassie, because they've they might have no choice. They are doing what the Chicago Hockey Club is currently in the midst of. Well, they're trying to not be in the midst of, but they are technically in the midst of. They're starting anyway. Because that's another team that needs to make some trades, and they haven't. 
Well, and Senior Kane going on the IR or LTIR is pretty much going to put the kibosh on that whole thing this year, which is kind of the bad year to not be loaded up with high draft picks. <laughs> so, whoops. Yes, uh, the whole strike while the iron is hot while you're waiting for it to get hotter kind of backfires on you when you go touch it to see how hot it is and go too hot. <laughs> and when's the trade deadline this year? March something, isn't it? Yeah, it's a ways away. I thought it was the end of February this year. It was earlier than usual. All, all I keep hearing is six weeks. It's uh, March 3rd. Third. Which is... If Almost February. <laughs> Technically, if you gave February the extra week that it deserves to be a real month, it would be the last week of February. Mm-hmm. It is. And this time, the trade deadline's on a Friday. Oh, crap, it is. Oh, <laughs> very interesting. That could make things a little more... Hmm. I, I I don't know. I, I'm searching for the um, weird. Like, for instance, I had this crazy thought. We were talking about, you know, previous homeowners and Things that need to be torn down. Like the NHL. Would would you believe it? The Buffalo Sabres currently have the most cap space of any team, including the Arizona Coyotes. Hmm. And and where, where are they in the standings? They might be in a playoff race. Mm hmm. If I am the Buffalo Sabres, I do exactly two things this trade deadline. Jack and poop. If they're at a playoff spot, go find a little defensive help for them. That's it. So that Don't. that's kind of where I would stand as well. Don't launder a contract for anyone. Don't no, 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 don't no, make no, a no. don't try and make a big splash. Nope. Do absolutely dick all. What if you were paying pennies on the dollar for a player? If you could land yourself a guy, a player who's on a ridiculous contract that's expiring this year. Expiring this year. Okay, and let's set goaltending aside because it is what it is. What area would you say the Sabres need the most uh, outside of, you know, some defensive depth? What would be the other area or position they could use the most help with? A veteran center, I think. Okay. Okay. 
Do you remember that time the Sabres traded away a veteran center who was just not having a good time? I wouldn't. Which year? Touch <laughs> that deal with a hundred foot pole. Once you've burned, I, I am a vengeful GM, as players have found out in my NHL franchise mode. <laughs> I am a very vengeful GM. Don't say you, you know, when I go offer you a contract and you have your demands in front of me and I give you what you demand and then you say, no, I'm going to go test free agent to see because I think I can get more money there. Then why did you ask me to pay you what you, okay, you know what, you're gone. Um, I wouldn't, I would not bring O'Reilly back for any money. I don't, I, I think that whole thing left a sour, sour taste in, in Buffalo's fans. Mouths, and I don't believe he would be very. I don't think he would be welcomed back. To be honest with you. Oh no, I don't think he would be. But I'm just. It would be such a galaxy brain idea <laughs> to kind of complete the circle, to you know, make the player feel welcome again. And mm-hmm. revive him. He's a blues. As far as I'm concerned, he's a St. Louis blue. Oh, for sure. You know, but he, I, I don't think he is a blue much longer. No, he isn't. But it doesn't mean he has to be a saber. True. And I do know that Kevin Adams did not sign Ryan O'Reilly to his current contract. That was previous administration. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite GM robot, Tim Murray. Who was still fun. Yes. Does he have to be my favorite? No. Okay. No. You said everyone. I wasn't sure if I was included in that. Just 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 because, you know, as has been told many times, if he had his druthers, he'd just go up and point at a guy at the draft and walk off without saying anything. And we are all agents of chaos here. And that would be absolutely <laughs> glorious. Yeah, I don't. I guess what I'm getting around to is this season of all seasons, sure would be nice if someone wanted to go to the Buffalo Sabres. Because when things are going well there, seems like a fun place to be. Except for when you get massive, like, effect snow storms but yes i mean that's every day so there's there's no avoiding that even into a deep playoff run people even into may mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh hmm <laughs> I wonder wonder about what <laughs> one Bosef Horvat for the Buffalo Sabres as a rental 
gets him out of there. He can run and gun and play in an up-tempo, exciting, fun team and boost the living bejeebus out of his market value. And they're not stuck with him long-term. And I think they'd have the space that if he did decide to stay there, they could do it. Oh, they have the space. Because you've Pretty got... much... Akposo coming off the books this year and Zemgis Gergensen's coming off. And you've got a grace period. Tage, Tage rolls over next year. Mm-hmm. And you've got a grace period with Krebs and Cousins is an RFA. Okay. Cousins is the only one they really have to worry about this season. Yeah. Okay, we've settled it. So who's going to break the news? I'll do it. All right. Yeah, I'll go tell him. Bo, you've been traded. (laughs) You've been traded to the Buffalo Sabres. I would absolutely love to see what his reaction is. We haven't taught. We haven't cleared this with either GM, but we're just telling you now. Yeah, we're, oh, it's done. <laughs> it's a done um, deal. <laughs> in, in return, in return, you're gonna love this. We're gonna send you Vinny Henestrosa, Anders Bjork, and um, I don't know. Let's say Vegas's second round pick this year. Because Henestrosa is 28, and as we have determined, that's right in the age they want. So is Andrews Bjork. He's 26, and he's an RFA. And there we go. Deal done. Well, I feel better about this. <laughs> as well you should, because, you know, it's a team effort that we solved the Bo Horvat. Um, where where does Bo go? Bo goes Buffalo, and see right there. And it's a good, yeah. And it's a good thing he doesn't have any no trade protection because right. he would probably block the trade on the grounds that he couldn't wear his current jersey number. No, I don't even think it's that. Young up and coming team could pay his potential sale. Salary demands in the offseason, let's say. I don't necessarily think he is the player they would target, but he absolutely fits. He, he, yeah. He would be akin to the Dougie Hamilton signing by New Jersey. Might be just a year too early for it to make a real impact, but sometimes it's better. Maybe at slot. It slots middle stat properly in the lineup. Yep. You know, it's a good backup for Tage Thompson because I presume they'll want Tage being the one C. Yep. 
Cousins, you know, you've, they're they're loaded. You know, their oldest center is is Gergensen, and he's a four, right? He's a three and a half four. Who also plays the wing? Mm-hmm. So now you've got now you've got a bona fide sort of prime time type center NHL high highly experienced NHL center that can take some of the pressure off your young center core because Cousins is going to be a monster Peyton Krebs is going to be a monster those guys don't have to take up you know they can go play wing or they can go play center you know they can all sort of shift around but you've added it's just enough veteran, right? Mm-hmm. Just enough veteran at that position to sort of help them. That's it. That's that's done. We're we're done. We we look. Um, BC. It's just not a good place to be in mentally if you're a hockey player. So who knew that Buffalo, New York? Would just be a breath of fresh air for anyone in that regard. An absolute mm-hmm. resurgency of fun. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the scary thing. I mean, this year he will probably still be riding high, still be putting up numbers. If he were to re-sign, let's say on a three to five year deal, which he's not going to sign, but that would be the responsible thing. He could put up a point a game with that much young talent around him on the wings. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, as you're seeing when you put Jeff Skinner with talent, oh, look, he scores points. Mm-hmm. Well, what about Jack Quinn? What about J.J. Paterka? Well, Things are going well with Tate Thompson. Here's a good secondary option. Mm-hmm. Now you can have Tuck running with Tage and Jeff. And then Bo can run with Cousins and Paterka. Or yeah, even, it's know. Yeah. Here's where something like this gets interesting. Their probably top prospect, I would say, right now is Matthew Savoy, who is currently playing WHL hockey. Yeah, he's two years out, probably. Are they willing to give him up to make a deal? Looking at what they'd be doing, yes, I would, because... He's the center. Well, guess what I've got? The center that nobody in the right mind, and let's be honest, people, nobody saw Tage Thompson doing this. Mm-hmm. So that is found house money. And then you've, you've got cousins, Krebs, sitting behind him, and then potentially adding a Horvat. Yeah. You know, love you. Sorry to do this to you, kid. Hopefully they'll trade you before, you know, it all goes to hell. 
like every single NHL team you get traded to. It's like, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy it before hell goes to hell. <laughs> well, again, oh as as the vengeful fantasy or as the vengeful franchise GM in NHL, I do it on purpose. Well, I mean, and who's to say that NHL GMs don't do the same? It's just the it's it's hilarious to think about, but then the dark side of that is the fact that all hockey players have been conditioned to to accept a certain level of misery in their lives. And so they don't think about whether it's actually a toxic work environment or not because, well, it's just hockey and that's how hockey is. And it's like, no, actually, it isn't doesn't have to be and you don't have to accept any misery in your life. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think there's, you know, I don't think every player every player follows that model. You know, I think there's I think there's a couple of players and one specifically who I don't believe that they've had a miserable day in their entire lives. I mean, you know, good on them if that's the case. But they've got to be leading a pretty a pretty uh, charmed life for that. Who does that sound I'm like, be- Pat? <laughs> Braden Point does have a bit of a stink face to him. I will admit. <laughs> Beyond the very nice contracts, two, two Stanley Cup rings, living in, you know, Gulf Coast of Florida. Notice how he didn't say South Florida, people. There is a difference. Very much so. Um it's a lot different than Moose Jaw, where he played his junior. Any other players come to mind? Sort of charmed life. Don't have to deal with misery. Don't have to expect misery. Just kind of go about their business, do their thing. Yeah, yeah. it's almost like those guys never even get coached, right? Because if they make a mistake, then coaches will just figure it, they'll figure it out on their own, right? So they don't well, have to worry about, like, they don't even have to worry about their coaches, like, not liking them for anything. No criticism. They end up kind of being called uncoachable because of yeah, that? sometimes. Yeah. Or sometimes they're just, like, so good about coaching themselves that no comments are ever made. Neither one of you is going to do it, are you? Nope. <laughs> I... <laughs> right, unless you're talking about um, uh, Best Kessel's brother. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.